The following program is sponsored by Fairly Spiritual on KCIS. Hey everyone, it's Dr. Doug Bursch, and this is the Fairly Spiritual Show. I'm broadcasting again from the back seat of my Kia Sorento in our driveway in front of our house. Why? Because this is the age we live in as we're trying to stop the spread of this terrible virus. On today's show, we're going to try to have some fun, uh, try to bring you a little bit of joy. How can we feel strong in the midst of our weakness? How can we feel the joy of the Lord or the peace of God or the grace of God? We'll talk about that on today's Fairly Spiritual Show, and I'll tell some embarrassing stories about me. Welcome back to the show. This is Dr. Doug Bursch, and you're listening to The Fairly Spiritual Show. And I am broadcasting again from the back seat of my Kia Sorento in the driveway that is in front of my house. Why? Because my house is overwhelmed with my family. Uh, yes, I have four kids. They're all home. And uh, so there's six of us there, and uh, we're basically spending all our time in two rooms. And uh, so there's nowhere to escape. So uh, this has become my studio. So uh, Kia Sorrentos, when I when we bought the Kia, I didn't ask, well, how are the acoustics for radio broadcasting and podcast? I didn't ask that. Uh, but hey, I'd give it a good rating. Uh, so uh, if you're looking for a vehicle, uh, you know, a decent SUV that also works for podcasting and radio broadcasting needs, then... <laughs> <laughs> then the Kia Sorento is right for you. And no, I'm not receiving any money for that. Uh, so I'm so glad you could listen. Today's show, I just want to bring a little hope, a little joy uh, to your life. And uh, I don't like pretending. You know, some people like to pretend everything's normal, and it's not normal. Uh, I don't I don't want to just, eh, you know, it's just all fine. It's not. It's crazy. And uh, I also don't like to pretend. So I let you know, hey, this is where I'm doing the show. In the back seat of my Kia Sorento, I want you to imagine me in the back seat of Kia Sorento. In fact, it's funny. Uh, last week I was doing the show, and right in the middle, a UPS driver pulled up and walked right by uh, the car, you know, to drop off a package, and just kind of, you know, looked in. And I just thought, man, uh, what what a time we live in. You just kind of gave that look, like, what is? I'm not even going to ask. I'm sure UPS drivers see all sorts of things. Uh, but I want to talk about this. I know some of us are feeling weak, um, and it's okay. Uh, weakness can sometimes be like, what do I do? I just don't know what to do. Weakness is things are outside our control. Weaknesses were actually weak. And so I thought I would share some stories of times in my life when I was incredibly weak and incredibly dumb that might encourage you and just, uh, I don't know, bring bring some hope maybe, some uh I don't. I just want it to be normal. Just to have a normal bit of time with us, where we can talk. Just you and I talking together. Just spending some time with some normalcy and the craziness around us. Here's a great scripture uh, that's just been a theme from from my life. Second Corinthians twelve. The Apostle Paul says, "Because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations, for this reason, to keep me from exalting myself, some some uh, versions say, to keep me from being conceited." 
there was given me a thorn in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me, to keep me from exalting myself. This is Paul talking about himself. Concerning this, I implored the Lord three times that it might leave me. And he has said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for power is perfected in weakness. Some versions say, for my power is made perfect in your weakness. Most gladly, therefore, I will rather boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may dwell in me. Therefore, I am well content with weaknesses, with insults, with distresses, with persecutions, with difficulties for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. And uh, I like the fact, if anything, that passage says that we don't have to pretend we're not weak. You can just admit to that. I, if anything, you know, the church uh, should do is facilitate environments where people can admit to their weaknesses. That is one of the saddest things. If, if you go to a church or you've been involved in any kind of religious institution where you have to hide your weaknesses, um, the leaders, the ministers, the volunteers that I respect are people who facilitate environments where people can express their weaknesses, where a minister can say, I'm feeling depressed, I'm feeling anxious. That's why it's really important when someone expresses a weakness, we need to be safe people. I noticed on social media, I, I purposely will express weaknesses, not because I'm even trying to get a bunch of stuff from people. I just want people to know they can be weak. They can mention their weaknesses. Uh, but it's very dangerous or, or not helpful if someone expresses their weakness, if they say something like, I'm feeling depressed. If you go, well, you know what you need to do is you need to, and then you just start telling them why they shouldn't be depressed or what they need to do. I mean, it's one thing if someone asks for advice, if they're looking for advice, but it's more important just to let people to be able to share their weaknesses. If someone says, I'm afraid, you probably shouldn't say, well, fear not. Maybe the first thing is just to say, thanks for sharing that. Uh, do you want to talk more about that? What are you afraid about? Uh, would you like me to pray for you? Uh, you can ask questions. But just letting people mention what's going on is, is powerful. We don't want the things that are hurting people the most for them to have to hide. In fact, that's terrible, right? I mean, it'd be terrible if uh, any place, like the church is where we're supposed to deal with the deepest things in our life, right? Our relationship with God, the most important things about our own identity and our relationship with others. That should be where we can express weakness. For, for instance, weakness like this, where you can say, I'm worried about my mental health. And where people don't just freak out and go, oh no, you're in trouble. Or you could say, I'm worried about my relationship with my children. We should be able to express our weaknesses. I think I might have shared this before, but I, I was in a pastor's group, and and I, there's many pastors I've been around who are able to be transparent and share weaknesses. But this was early on in ministry, and we were uh, sharing prayer requests. And whenever I would come to this group, the pastors, to me, just didn't seem that honest. And not like they were lying, but they just wouldn't really share what's going on in life. You know, we'd say, what are our prayer requests? And I would share something like this. I'd say, you know, my wife and I have been fighting lately. And people would look at you like, oh, they must be, they're going to get a divorce. How, how would you share that? That's, you know, there must be something terrible. And they'd assume that me sharing that would be the tip of the iceberg versus that's just the iceberg. That's just what's going on. We've been fighting and I want prayer. And, and if my wife had been with me, we would have shared it together. We would have said, hey, we've been fighting and lately and we just need help. And could you pray for us? But I remember sharing that stuff and people just look at you like, ah, oh, there's something terrible wrong because pastors don't share weaknesses. 
And some of that's changed and some of that was generational, but I just got frustrated with it. So I waited one prayer time where I'm like, I'm not going to share anything. I'm tired of sharing things. I'm just going to wait. And we waited and uh, there was one older pastor there who goes, I have a burden. And then he says it again, I have a burden. I'm like, okay, you know, finally he's going to share a burden. Maybe one of his kids is addicted to something or maybe he's having, you know, marital problems or maybe there's something in the church that's really bothering him or, you know, some financial problem. Maybe there's some big need. And he goes, I have a burden for souls. And he said, I have a burden for souls. And I remember just thinking, for souls? And so his issue was, you know, that people get saved. I'm like, oh, that's good. But I thought, you know, everybody in the room, I hope, has some burden for souls. But we all gather around and laid hands on this man, pray for his burden for souls. Now, now that might have been his prayer need, but I'd been in that meeting and he never admitted weaknesses. Every time we met, he never admitted struggles. And I think maybe a better burden would have been like, you know, I need prayer because I lose my temper or I need prayer because I'm disconnected with my spouse or I'm struggling with intimacy or, you know, the actual areas where we're weak. So we can rejoice in our weakness and bring our weaknesses to God because where we're weak, God can be strong, which reminds me of some stupid stories in my life. Now, you shouldn't call other people's uh, stories stupid, but I'm going to call mine stupid. Here's a couple of these. Okay. So I'm dyslexic. Speaking in front of groups was just a nightmare as a kid. Lots of unsuccessful attempts to do public things. Just I would shake and be nervous. A lot of reasons why I shouldn't go into ministry. But I felt like the Lord said, well, you can talk to someone one-on-one. -on -one, so just try to do that whenever you talk, whenever you communicate. Instead of doing it like a presentation, just do it like you're communicating one-on-one. -on -one. And so that, that led me into ministry. But I remember I was in Springfield, Missouri, going to the Assemblies of God Theological Seminary, and I got the opportunity to teach a Sunday school class, an adult Sunday school class in a local church that we were attending. And this was my first adult Sunday school class that I could teach. So I was really excited about it. And so I just prepared all week. I prepared all these things, you know, and just really just went overboard. I probably prepared more on that Sunday school lesson than I have on any sermon since then. And I showed up. And, you know, Sunday school class, I think, was like an hour before church. So it's like nine o'clock or something. And I show up at nine o'clock and there's no one there. And I and I thought, oh, they, they must have known I was guest speaking, like the normal person who uh, teaches Sunday school wasn't there. There's no one there. Well, I realized it was daylight savings time. And this is before, you know, your phones would switch over automatically and all that. And I was just an hour early to the group. And so I was just there an hour early. And so I used the time to write some charts and graphs and things on the board behind me. It was a larger church. And I was, you know, so we had some equipment in the, in the classroom that I utilized and the people came in and there was a class maybe of like you know, 12, 15 people. And as they came in and they sat down, uh, I just launched into it and I gave the most elaborate, I'll just tell you, just the most amazing Sunday school lesson that's ever been given. I mean, I, I talked about the Greek and the Hebrew and what scholars say and quotes and stories and illustrations. And it was 45 minutes of the most, you know, just well thought out, intentional, uh, you know, Sunday school teaching lesson. It was, it was really just magnificent. The only problem was 
I was just teaching and talking and talking and talking and talking. And the people just kind of stared at me. They're just looking at me. And and then the class just kind of ended. And I don't even know if I left room for anyone to say anything. And people just kind of like, oh, yeah. and and they they left. And they were, they were polite. And there was one guy that I'd become friends with, an older gentleman. And he waited till everyone else left. And he came up to me in a real gentle way. He said, you know, Doug, maybe next time you just maybe have us read a scripture and we just discuss it together and then we pray. <laughs> then he smiled and he walked out. And he wasn't trying to be mean. He was just pointing out that I forgot the fact that really we had gathered there for fellowship, to value the body, to trust the word of God and to trust each other. And instead, I was so concerned to do it right that I kind of forgot about everybody else in the room. Well, you know, when you do something like that, you just think, ah, I'm a failure. I'm never going to be able to make it. What am I doing? I shouldn't be in seminary. I shouldn't be in ministry. And just, you know, went into this great big pit. But God reminded me again, it's, it's not about you, Doug. It's not about how strong you are. And even when you try to be strong, your strength actually hurts you. Sometimes it's good just to be weak just to present the word and trust the body of Christ. Even today, even right now, like I, I could give you guys a lot of scriptures today. We started out with some scripture, but I trust that even if I make room for the Lord, that God's going to speak, that I, I'm not your God, that I'm just a fellow brother in the Lord. And so I can facilitate an environment where we stop and we make room for the Lord. Or maybe I ask you a question, like, what is God saying to you right now? Or I point out a truth that you can meditate upon. Or I point you to the source that brings all of us life and say, hey, you know, a good thing to do this week when you're feeling weak is spend some time praying. Pray in the Spirit. Read the Word. Take a walk and meditate upon the goodness of God. Say, well, I can't get outside. Well, just walk around your living room and maybe shut the door and say, Dad gets this room to himself for 15 minutes for his own spiritual health. And just pray and pace back and forth. Whatever it is, just take some time to be with God. I think about weakness. Here, here's the, oh man, just the, so the first hospital visit that I ever did. So I was the kind of guy that I was so nervous to talk to people that before I would talk to someone on the phone, I would write down what I was going to say. That's the kind of person I was. I would literally write everything down or the possible eventualities of what would happen because I was so afraid. And so we had in one of our classes that we were supposed to go do hospital visits. And so, um, and I shared a little thing about this on KCIS. I had a little, uh, and, and, and KCMS, there was a little pastor's moment thing that they shared a little 30, I don't know, it was like a one minute uh, t uh, little testimony on this, but I want to share this with you. So I would, uh, so I went to this, hospital visit. My, this is my first hospital visit ever, right? And they split us up and they said, just go into different rooms and, you know, you can just meet with people. And I'd never done this before and I was incredibly nervous. So the first room that I enter into, and it's me by myself, I walk into the room really loud and I said, and I just come in like loud voice. So how's everyone doing today? Like really loud. And immediately there's this woman who's knitting next to me, this old, you know, grandma, grandmotherly uh, woman. And she kind of, like startled. She goes huh, like that. She just, her body kind of uh, moves and she's like, what? And she kind of looks at me and I realize, you know, I just startled everyone in the room. And 
the man at the bed who's laying down in the hospital bed kind of startles as well. I don't know if I woke him up or not. He's just kind of laying there. And uh, I, uh, I, I, I just kind of like realized that I've just already messed up the situation. And um, the woman uh, next to me uh, says, you know, he's just had surgery. And I say, well, this is, the, this is what I say. This is the first thing that I say. I say, well, Will, let's pray that he'll be up on his feet in no time. That's what I say. We'll pray that he'll be up on his feet in no time. And then she whispers to me, she says, he just had his foot amputated. <laughs> so <laughs> the first thing I said is that we're going to pray that he's going to be up on his feet in no time. And now I realize he only has one foot, which I was not going to pray. Let's hope that he'll be up on his foot in no time. So immediately I'm just like, I am the world's worst pastor, which I wasn't even yet. I'm the world's worst trying to be a pastor. So I just panic. And so I'm just like, well, well, let me pray for him. And I haven't even talked to the man yet. So I walk over to the bed. I don't even know if I asked him for permission to pray for him, but I just put my hands on his shoulder and I begin to pray. And when, when I'm nervous, or I don't know if you've ever done this, but sometimes when we're nervous, we pray cliche prayers. I don't know if you've ever done that. Just like prayers, you know, the things that ritualistic prayers, there's certain words or certain phrases that you just pray without even thinking. Well, I immediately went into a cliche prayer and I prayed for him and I literally did this. And my mom used to pray this over us and it wasn't a cliche prayer. It was just a way that she would bless us. But this is what I begin to pray. I said, Father, may you bless this man from the top of his head. Now, some of you know where this is going, right? From the top of his head. Now, this prayer is supposed to end. Would you bless him from the top of his head to the soles of his feet? But again, this man has one foot. <laughs> so I started, Lord, would you bless this man from the top of his head to, and I suddenly realized, what am I going to say? Like, I'm going to say to the sole of his foot? <laughs> this just seems mean. Am I, am I praying for the foot that's no longer there? Am I praying for a miraculous another foot to grow? And I, and I paused. Now, the reality is I probably only paused for maybe like a second, but at this point, I am sweating. My heart is beating. It's just, it feels like an eternity. <laughs> so for me, it feels like I've paused maybe for me, I don't know, an hour. I don't, and it's like, Lord, would you bless this man from the top of his head to all over his body? <laughs> and then I said, hey, man. And I literally didn't talk to him. I just walked out. I just I just walked out of the room and we were supposed to, I was supposed to visit other rooms. I was supposed to regather with the group. And then I just walked down the stairs uh, into the parking garage, got in my car and started driving home. And on the ride home, I'm like, I am never going to be a pastor. What am I thinking? I, this, you can't even pray for a man and you are the world's worst this and that. And I'm just, I'm just going at it. I'm just in a pit. And uh, in Springfield, Missouri, there's basically a traffic light every 10 feet. And so I'd go and then stop and more self-hate. And then I'd go and I'd stop and then more self-hate. And I'm just like, oh, I just can't believe this. And, and then finally I stopped enough to hear God's voice. And I felt like God said this to me. Well, what, what would you have done if things had gone really well? You know, what would you have done if suddenly his leg had grown and he'd gotten up out of the bed and, and, and walked around? Would you say, oh man, you're an amazing, I'm an amazing pastor. I'm, I'm going to be the best pastor ever. Would you just be, would it be all about you? 
And then the Lord reminded me, it's not about you, Doug. It's just not about you. It's about God. Or the Lord said to me, it's about me, you know, about God. God was speaking to me saying, Doug, it's not about you. And it's not about you being strong. And even when you're your strongest, you're still weak in comparison to God. And then I just knew, it's like, you just take that next step, you be weak, let God be strong. And that taught me so much, just to take the next step. And I have story after story of me being weak and God being strong. I want to encourage some of you, is right now you feel very weak. And and weak right now, if you're just in isolation and you're not doing well by yourself, don't judge yourself. It's okay. You're weak. You're weak. You can say, if I had better faith, if I was a better person, I'd be doing better. Don't judge yourself. Don't condemn yourself. The Lord doesn't come to condemn you or to shame you. You just feel the way you feel. And you don't have to live according to the flesh or according to how you feel. It's just how you feel. You feel weak. But God is strong. And he can be strong in your weakness. You don't have to hide that. If right now you're living by yourself and you're just like, I am so weak. And you're condemning yourself. And the Lord says, I don't come to condemn you. You feel weak. Don't live according to your flesh and how you feel. Live according to my pleasure. Because God loves you and he knows you by name. He can be strong where you're weak. If you've been weak in your relationships, it's okay. Like you're you're not doing the best as a parent. You're losing your temper. You're like just, they're in the house. You can't escape them. Normally you'd go somewhere. You can't go anywhere. And you're thinking if I was a better parent, I, you know, I would be able to handle this, but you can't handle it or you're not handling it well. I want you to know again that, that God can be strong where you're weak. Your future is not dependent upon how strong you are. God, we, our lives are in God's hands. It's about his strength. It's about his provision. It's about his goodness. I, I just want to remind you that because it's about God's strength and about God's provision and about God's goodness, that all of us can start over. I want to talk about my mom. I love my mom dearly, and my mom taught me something that I take with me. Is She t- taught me to start over. And she taught me that on our worst days, when we're doing our worst, we can start over. She would use this phrase for me that I'm a very opinionated person. I'm a strong-willed person. I was a strong-willed child. And there are many times where I thought I was right and everyone else was wrong. And mom would come to me and she'd say, "Uh, Doug, or probably she'd say, Dougie, you're digging yourself into a hole. And uh, I didn't always want to admit that, but I was. I was digging myself into a hole. And I couldn't get out of it. You know, I just kept digging and digging and digging, you know, justifying my anger, justifying my frustration, justifying whatever was going on, that everybody's against me. And, 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 you know, maybe even some of the times it was people were doing it wrong and I was doing it right. But whatever, my reaction was to get more and more isolated, more and more angry, more and more whatever it was that wasn't helping me. And she'd come to me and say, you're digging yourself in a hole. But then she'd say, you know what? The Lord can help you start over. God can help you start over right now. If we seek the Lord right now, he can help us start over together. We can start over together. So I want to encourage each of you, as I'm in the back seat of a Kia Sorento broadcasting this show, feeling very weak as the male person just drove by and is staring at this person who's broadcasting in the car. We are in times where we feel weak and vulnerable and things are just strange. If you're having a great day or a terrible day, if you had a great week or a terrible week, you can start over. 
You can just start over. If you dug yourself into a deep hole, that's okay. God's grace is sufficient for you, for his power is made perfect in our weakness. If you're weak, you're weak. You can start over. Father God, I pray right now for each person listening that your peace that passes all understanding would guard their hearts and their minds and that they would know beyond a shadow of a doubt how much you love them. Come, Lord Jesus, bring the provision of your peace, the provision of your goodness, the provision of your kindness. We welcome your presence, Lord. We welcome your goodness. We thank you that you're with us and you know us by name. Help us start over. Help us to admit to our weaknesses. Help us bring our weaknesses to you so that you can be strong. In Jesus' name, amen. Love you guys. Thanks for listening. We can make it through this. Uh, Here's the number to text me at 360-818-4513. That's 360-818-4513. Make room for the Lord. He knows you by name. You can go to the website as well. Yesevergreen.org. That's yesevergreen.org. Actually, that's my church website. Go to fairlyspiritual.org. Fairlyspiritual.org. Love you guys. I will see you next time. Proceeding broadcast was sponsored by Fairly Spiritual. When you write or call this program, be sure to mention you heard it on KCIS.